Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. Glory to God. It's Palm Sunday. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. God, I thank you so much for the worship time this morning. Who, who else needed that? Come on, right? I mean, there's just those times where you need that and that... Thank you to uh, Richie and the team for uh, ushering in God's presence, and uh, thank you, Lord, for, for blessing us, because, you know, it's not about having an experience, but thank him when he gives you one, so thank you, Lord. God, we praise you, and we thank you, for you are good and great and loving. You are, I'm going to use the word, amazing in the purest sense. You define what that is. God, I ask that you would speak today. God, that you would anoint my words. God, that you would illuminate your text. God, that you would take your story and infuse it in our lives. God, that you would change us to make us more like you in this time. Open our ears to hear. Soften our hearts to receive, transform our lives so that we might reflect you, so that we might represent you in this world. You truly are a loving God. Teach us how to show your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So last week I said that it was the final week in the Supernatural series, but we have one more, probably the most important one. Throughout this series, we've been saying that God has a mission for us. And we learn of this mission in the book of Acts in the first chapter, verse 7, where Jesus says to his disciples, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed in his own authority, but you will receive power. Say power. Power. I love you guys. (laughs) When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Over the past several weeks, we have looked at the different ways that God has empowered us. The first couple weeks, we looked at how God speaks through us. We saw that God can give us words of wisdom. He can give us words of knowledge and he can give us prophetic words that can speak to the heart of his people. We also saw that God can give us a prayer language, a way of communicating with God that words can't even express. And we also saw that God at times can speak through us and even communicate in another language we don't even know. That God gives us extraordinary power to represent him in the world. Last week, we looked at how God can even do the miraculous through us. He can heal. He can perform miracles. But this week, this week, we're going to look at a more excellent way in the words of Paul. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. Here in this passage, The Apostle Paul begins to describe the love of Christ, the love of God. 
And as I think about my own life, and I bet if I asked each one of you that is following him, I bet there's not even one of you that became a believer because you saw a miracle. I can almost guarantee you that each one of you decided to follow Jesus because you experienced the love of God through another believer. I almost guarantee that if we want to show the world who God is, we need to figure out how to love the way God does. And this passage goes through and describes what the love of God is like. It's not love like the world. It's a different kind of love. You see, the world is hungering. The world is yearning to know the love of God. Within each person, there's this empty space that we try to fill through relationships with other people. And it's a space, it's a vacuum that only God himself can fill. Recently, I came across this song. It's not a Christian song, it's a human song. It's a song that shows the inner yearnings of every single human being to love and to receive love. Craig, can you play that song for us? Say something, I'm giving up on you I'll be the one if you want me to Anywhere I would have followed you Swallow my pride 
saying goodbye This song, it shows, it shows the inner yearning of every single human being. That each one of us is seeking to love somebody. And we're seeking to be loved. And in trying to love each other, we always fall short. That we're learning to crawl. That we're learning to love that none of us have this figured out. That we cannot fill that void that's inside of each one of us. As I hear this, what, they re, what they're really saying is, I need God. But they don't know it yet. This resonates with us in our relationships with each other with our spouses, with our significant others, with our friends, with our brothers and sisters. This resonates with the world. And we're all crying out, wanting to be loved. And the answer is that, is for God so loved the world that he sent his only son to show us what love is. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, he goes on to say that if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This word love that Paul uses is not the human form of love. This is the word agape love. This is unconditional love. This is love that's a decision to make. It's much more than a feeling. This kind of love is a person. And his name is Jesus. And he is calling us to learn how to show each other and the world this kind of love. What is this love like? You see, it's a love that never ends. 
the song said, say something, I'm giving up on you. This is a love that never fails, that never gives up. It's a love that pursues. It says in verse 4 that love, this kind of love, is patient. This word means long-suffering. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. This love, God's love, the love of Jesus, it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. It's a love that never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I had to crawl on the ground. And God's calling us to stand and to learn this greater way. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part and I shall know fully even as I've been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. God has a mission for us. It's a mission to show the world who Jesus is. And we fulfill this mission by learning how to love the way Jesus loves. The Bible says that they will know that we are Christians by the way that we do miracles, by the way that we speak in tongues, by the way that we heal. No. The greatest testimony is the love of a Christian and the love of a Christian community, a testimony to the love of a loving God. When Paul called us to be a witness in the book, book of Acts, actually Luke, sorry, when Luke called us to be a witness in the book of Acts, the word that he used for witness is the same word that we use for martyr. It is to be a living sacrifice, sacrificial love. To pour yourself out for others. It's not a human love. It's a supernatural love. Jesus showed us what this love is. And more so than any other time in his life, the last week, the last eight days of his life, he showed us what this type of love is. And his display began as he traveled down from Galilee. First, he traveled east, and he crossed the Jordan River. He crossed at where the mouth is, at the base of the Sea of Galilee. As we talked about last week, the river gets progressively wider. He crossed there, and he traveled south until he became parallel to Jerusalem. That day was the 14th day of Nisan. Sorry, the 10th day of Nisan. 
It was the day of lamb selection. That day, he crossed the Jordan River during flood season. It was exactly 1,372 days after Joshua and the Israelites crossed during flood season that we talked about last week. And he did this with his disciples to remind them of why they need to love with God's love. You see, we love because God first loved us. That each one of us has a story of how God has delivered us from slavery and brought us out of the wilderness into a relationship with him, into the promised land. He made a way where there was no way. Where there was sin that separated us from God, he parted the waters so that we could walk through on dry ground, so that we might rejoice and be free. And we all have this story. Our ability to love others has to start with remembering where we came from. To remember that we love with Christ's love because Christ first loved us. So he led them through the Jordan River. Now it doesn't say how. It would be kind of cool if he stopped it the same way he did when Joshua and the people crossed. So he crossed and he had his eyes fixed on heading into Jerusalem. He had his eyes fixed on heading towards Jerusalem and the day was Palm Sunday, the 10th day of Nizan, Lamb Selection Day. As he crossed the Jordan River, reminding his disciples of the love of God, reminding them of their story, they went down into the Kindred Valley and they looked up and there was a mountain before them. It was Mount Olivet and they were on the eastern face, which is a steep climb. The height of that mountain is over 2,700 feet. It's about the size of Welsh Dickey off of exit 28. Have you ever hiked there? It's beautiful. If you drive up there, you get off the exit, you can see this gorgeous mountain. I used to live over there. Before I took this job, I was a youth pastor, and one of my first youth outings was to take these bunch of kids hiking. And it was rough. <laughs> not because of the climb, not because I was out of shape, but kids showed, kids showed up in flip-flops. Two of them showed up hungover from the night before. So we walked slowly up the mountain and stopped and waited for the one with flip-flops because one of them broke. And then we walked and I waited and the other one threw up and then we walked. And it took hours and hours where it should have probably been real quick because that's a, that's a quick jump, right? Yeah, two hours. I think it took five but yet God, even then, instilled a love in my heart for these kids that they were going to get over this mountain. So Jesus, that day, climbed up that mountain, probably on a donkey, but maybe by foot. I kind of like that better. Probably by foot. We'll go with that. They don't give you the details, but let's say he hikes. To show that love is patient. That love is long-suffering. That love is willing to climb up a steep mountain where every step is difficult and your legs are burning. Because 
That is how God loves us. When he reached the top of the mountain, he looked over Jerusalem with his eyes fixed, knowing that in several days he would be going to the cross, knowing that this day was Lamb Selection Day, knowing that the three million people that were gathered there were gathered to celebrate what God had done for them thousands of years ago when he delivered them from Egypt. through the blood of a lamb that was put over the doorpost of their house, that the wrath of God passed over them. And so they were there to celebrate this. They were there to pick out a lamb, kind of like we do on Thanksgiving, where you go to the store and you want to find the best turkey you can find, right? The Pharisees had droves of spotless lambs that they scrutinized, that they sorted through, that they gathered together so that families could come and pick out a lamb. And then that lamb would be sacrificed for that family. And then they'd have a barbecue after. So it was this great celebration, but Jesus knew that he wasn't there to party. He was there to suffer. Because he loved the three million people that were there and the billions that have lived on this planet. So while he was there, he looked out amongst the valley into Jerusalem. He said to his disciples, go and get me two donkeys. So they went and they found a female donkey and it's colt. A colt is a male donkey, okay? In Hebrew, the word for female donkey means chieftain, means royalty, means had honor and dignity to ride in on a female donkey. The colt, the male donkey, meant trouble. And if you have little boys, you know. But it also meant red for the blood that Jesus would shed on the cross. So they went and miraculously they found these donkeys that Jesus knew would be there. And they said, well, the master needs them. And so they took them away and they brought them to Jesus. And in deciding which donkey to sit on, he sat on the colt. Because he was surrendering his rights that day. That though he had every right in the world as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the God who created everything who should be worshiped by all. He set that aside. In Philippians 2, says this, verse 5, maybe even 4, I like that too. 3 is good too. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Pause on that. God thought you more significant than himself that day. That he set aside his rights to show God's love. He calls us to do the same. He says, let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. To show the love of God, we need to set aside pride. We need to set down our egos. We need to be willing to serve each other. We need to set aside our own interests for the interests of others and count others greater than ourselves. So he chose not to ride in on the female donkey. He rode in on the male as a statement that though he is the chief, that though he is the ruler, that though he's the king of kings, he wasn't coming to be a king. He was coming to be a servant. The Bible says Jesus came to serve, not to be served. When he was on the top of that mountain and sitting on the donkey, he started to ride down. And in fulfillment of the Psalms of Ascension in Psalm 21, the people, the masses, looked up and they saw Jesus coming down. And something happened in the spiritual realm that was unexplainable. They looked up and they proclaimed in their hearts, I lift my eyes up to the hills from where does my help come my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. So Jesus fulfilled this prophecy in Zechariah 9.9 and every other messianic prophecy of the one who would descend down into Jerusalem. And moved by what had happened, the people began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, as Pastor Richie said from the worship pulpit. The word Hosanna means God save us now. The song I played where they were saying, say something, say something. Really, they're saying, show me love. They're really saying, save me. And they were looking for each other to save themselves. Everybody in our world is looking for a savior. They're just looking to the wrong thing to save them. It's not the love of a person that will save you. It's the love of Jesus. The sacrificial lamb. The one with his eyes fixed on the cross. The one who surrendered it all, who stepped down from heaven and rode in on a donkey. And so they waved these palm branches at him and they laid them on the ground. They were looking for a political ruler to save them. They were hoping that he would establish a government. Just like us who look to other things to save us. But that's not what they needed. The palm branches whether they knew it or not, had nothing to do with the Passover feast. Palm branches were used in a different feast called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. 
The palm branches were symbolic and looked forward to a day where God would dwell with his people. So as they were waving the branches, whether they knew it or not, they were acknowledging that God was here. That God was dwelling amongst his people. That he had come. And that love meets us where we are at. Because we couldn't get to him. So for us to love, for us to love each other, for us to love the world, we need to recognize that we need to go and meet people where they're at and not expect them to be where we are. And not overestimate where we are either. but it's to enter into the life of another. It's to enter into the struggle of another. It's willingness to love them through that so that they might encounter the God who loves them. A love that doesn't give up. So they wave those branches. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And the Pharisees who were looking on said to Jesus, silence them. Don't allow them to worship you. And Jesus said, if they didn't, even the rocks would cry out. Who are the rocks? Well, 1,300 years ago, when the Israelites passed through the Jordan River, if you remember, God told them to grab stones from the bottom and set them up as a testimony as a pillar, as a testimony to what God had done in their life on how God had delivered them from slavery, how God led them out of the wilderness, how God brought them into the promised land. We are the stones. Our lives are the stones. Our testimony is the stones. And it should cry out. And it should speak of the love of a God who loves us unconditionally with a love that does not fail. And our life should cry out like a song as an answer to the first song that we listened to. That the thing that you're looking for can't be found in another person. It's only found in Jesus Christ. That though we might fail each other, though we're learning to love each other, we serve one who has a perfect love, who loves you more than you can imagine, more than you can fathom, that he loves you. And the price and the value that he placed upon you was the price of his son. On the 10th day of Nizan, Jesus came to Jerusalem for Lamb Selection Day. He spent the next four days being criticized by his family and by his friends. And it's human nature, even in the church, even amongst us, we all struggle with that. He still loved them. He still pressed in. He still made his way to the cross. And when he was found spotless, on the 14th day of Nisan, at 9 a.m. in the morning, he was nailed to a cross. 
about the same time that the first lamb was slain by the priests in the temple. And throughout the day, lamb after lamb after lamb was slain. When the last lamb was slain at 3 p.m., Jesus from the cross cried out and said, It is finished. No more lambs need to be slain. And he breathed his last breath. God is calling us to witness to the God who was willing to allow his son to die for humanity so that they might know his love. What a great God we serve. And he's called us to devote our life to that. He's called us to learn how to love the way God loves. And he wants us to start here. He wants us to learn how to love each other with this God, agape, unfailing, unconditional love so that the world might see and they might acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. They might find and discover the love of Jesus in this community. As we learn to love each other, we go out and we learn to love the world. That's our mission. That's what this series is about. About learning to love supernaturally. About learning to be long-suffering. About learning to enter into another person's struggle. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says that love keeps no account of wrongs. When Jesus died on the cross, he forgave you for all of your sins, past, present, and future. As if you, if you had a bank account and there was a sin debt, he put in so much equity, so much money to cancel out that debt, it would cancel out for all of eternity so that you can't out-sin what he has put in your account. Thank you, Lord. We love because he first loved us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And we all have a story to share. We all have a stone that has come from the river of the trials of life that God has allowed us to pass through. And he has made a way through the raging river. And he didn't allow it to drown us. And he calls us to cry that out to the world that our God saves, that our God loves, that our God is Jesus. Oh, how we love you. How we love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 